What's up, guys? It's David Hess from the Rising Above podcast. Have you ever thought or dreamed about starting a podcast? Well, look no further. Anchor has all the tools necessary to record a podcast from your computer or phone. You heard that right. They make it so simple. When you host your podcast on Anchor, they will distribute your podcast on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Honestly, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place, which is why I host on Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. to the Rising Above podcast. My name is David Hess and today I have Jessica Brown with me and she's going to tell me a little bit about her life story and uh, she's going to share about her her job. She works as a social worker or did work as a social worker, right? I do work as a social worker. Okay. want to make sure I get that correct. Um, she's currently a social worker and uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about about that and hopefully we can all learn a little something from it. So, Jessica, um, you want to tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and whatnot? Um, I'm from Huntington, West Virginia, um, and I, what do you want to know? <laughs> uh, just any, anything. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot, but uh, it just depends on what you want to know. Okay, <clears throat> so you grew up in Huntington, West Virginia? Yes. Okay, and where's that near? I, I don't, I'm not familiar with West Virginia. Um, it's the second largest city in the state. Okay. Okay. Uh, and it's still small. <laughs> <laughs> how many, how many people live there? Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I haven't looked at a census in a long time. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, well, I guess let's, uh, kind of tell me a little bit about your life story. Uh, you said you were in foster care. At what age yes. did you go into foster care? I went into foster care at the age of 10. Okay. It was not a good experience uh, whenever I first was introduced to um, CPS. <laughs> um, that was very traumatic to me, not because I was removed, but because they didn't remove me. <laughs> they didn't remove you from, is, from the living situation you were in? Was that with your your yeah. mo- your parents? Yeah. Okay. They should have, and they didn't. They left me there and never came back. CPS? I had to tell twice. Yes. Wow. I had to tell twice. Wow. What was going on? Uh, Everything from emotional, sexual, physical abuse. And they didn't gauge. I don't think they knew exactly how dangerous my dad really was. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, when, when was this? Like how, how long ago? Uh, it was 1992. Okay. So it was in the nineties. Wow. Uh, so you, you had a call twice and they didn't take, they didn't remove you until the second time. Actually, what happened was I talked to the cat program whenever I was in fourth grade. Um, and it was fifth grade before they even contact CPS even got involved. Wow. And it was through the referral from the CAP program in fourth grade. What is the CAP program? Um, it is a program that educates children on good touch, bad touch. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. And I reported it to them, what was going on. And CPS showed up roughly six months later. Wow. They told my parents before I got home uh, while they were coming. They never notified me anything. I get home. My dad's waiting for me with a 44 mic. Oh, wow. The social worker watched him run at me like he was going to attack me right in front of her. She told him he had to leave. She left and never came back. Wow. I had to, I ended up having to go to the police. That's crazy. So did he ever get charged with anything or? He ended up getting um, 45 to 105 years without the possibility of parole. Wow. And he's still in prison? He died last year of COVID. Okay. Did you ever uh, rekindle that relationship at all? or? Oh, I forgave him. Did you? Okay. But he was where he belonged. Wow. Um, so you went into foster care at the age of 10. What was that experience like for you? That was like a breath of fresh air compared to the life I had lived. Foster care was, uh, but I was moved around every two months. Nobody really wanted me. But first they put me in kinship care. Which that is? Was, that's family. Okay. And I was placed there with my brother, which was also sexually abusive to me. Mm. And he took about to me every morning in kinship care. Yes, so, that's how I got woke up for school. So did you report that originally, that your brother was doing that to you as well? Mm-mm. No. No, nobody knew. No, nobody knew that. Um, that came out later. Okay. But he wasn't placed with me for very long. Um, he ended up in the ponds in Virginia. What's that? It's a treatment facility. He... Um, Slit his wrist and uh, held up his ROTC class with a gun. Oh, wow. And he got sent to the ponds for treat. Wow. So your time in foster care wasn't wasn't that bad of an experience compared to the life you had lived previously. Oh, it was a breath of fresh air compared to the life I'd lived. I mean, <laughs> my dad played a radio constantly, so... The neighbors couldn't hear our screams. The neighbors were so terrified of him that they wouldn't get involved and they knew what was going on. Family that was the same thing. When they knew, they wouldn't do anything because they were afraid of my dad. So aside from the sexual abuse, um, was he, what, what, what kind of stuff would take place? Oh, beatings. Um, I still don't have any feeling in my scalp where he used to pick me up by my head and slam me against walls or, um, he used to, um, tell me to put my head, my nose up against the wall, um, whenever he was angry. Um, and he would punch me in the back of the head and my nose would bounce off the wall and he would tell me not to cry because it didn't hurt. Wow. He tore the mattresses off the bed to get to me if I tried to hide. There was no escape. I couldn't run fast enough. He used brooms. He used uh, my major baton. Whatever he could get his hands on, his fists, his 
he kicked. He, I, I mean, there was just no limit. And if you didn't pick a big enough switch and he had to go pick it, it was pretty much a log. <laughs> wow. So was your mom in the picture at all? Oh, yeah. She worked all the time. She didn't, did and she, she didn't know about it or? She didn't know about the sexual. She knew about the physical. Okay. He was there during most of that. Uh, the first memory I have of my brother um, was actually whenever he cut my hair with a pair of paper cutting scissors. Uh, his punishment for that was my dad dragged him down the stairs by his feet. And his nose hit every step. I was probably every bit of two, three years old. I couldn't walk down the stairs. Wow. And I watched the whole scene. He was probably six years old at the time. And uh, he tried to drown, my dad tried to drown him in the sink and left him in a crumpled heap on the floor. And then uh, my mom uh, told him, you shouldn't have made my dad, your dad, you should have made him mad, basically. Wow. That is insane. Yeah. That was how I spent the first 10 years of my life. But foster care was a breath of fresh air. <laughs> they couldn't hit you. Well, you they're, know, and, they're not supposed to. <laughs> well, I mean, I never had anybody in foster care ever hit me. That's good. That's good. You know, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. But in my experience, it was a breath of fresh air compared to what I've been through. Right. And they, yeah, they made a lot of mistakes, I'm sure. But it was, it wasn't what I had gone through. Yeah. So you were in foster care from the age of 10 till, till when? Uh, they put me back home whenever I was 12. They brought you back? Yeah. CPS let me go back home to my mom whenever I was 12. Okay. And your dad never came back. He went to j he oh, jail. Oh, he never went anywhere. He never went anywhere. And he didn't go to jail until I, he, oh, gosh, I testified against him when I was 15. Wow. He stayed around. He stalked us. He showed up at Camden Park whenever I was 11. He never went anywhere. He showed up at my grandmother's house when I was in kinship care. And she had a shotgun to his head and told him she was going to blow his brains all over the pavement. <laughs> if he didn't leave. You know, uh, the social workers, whenever they finally did remove me, um, were going to take me to get my clothes. And can you imagine a 10-year-old telling you, he'll blow you away to get to me? Wow. No, he was dangerous and they didn't realize until that point that how dangerous he really was. Needless to say, I never got my clothes. Wow. I went with nothing to my aunt's house. That's crazy. So, but he ended up getting 45 to 105 years because it was such extenuating circumstances. He was, and whenever the social worker didn't come back, the house burned down and he picked me up from the same school I told on him at. Huh. My mom was with him. Wow. He never really went anywhere. He lived on the, in the driveway. I watched him out the window carry a lunch pail down to my mom in the kitchen. The kitchen was downstairs. He would go down the side stairs and carry a lunch pail and she would feed him even after she knew what he did. So what, what's your relationship now with your mom? What's that like? 
It's improved. I mean, she's not with anybody now. That helps. Because he, my dad wasn't the only man that she had that went after me. Pretty much every man she ended up with did. Wow. Like, whenever I was returned home at the age of 12, her, her fiancé at the time um, beat me so bad in the bathroom he was covered in toilet water. Full fist. He was probably 300 pounds compared to my 50-pound frame. Wow. That's why whenever I was 13, I put myself in state's custody. Hence, I can't hit you. I got tired of being beaten on. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> that So you were 13 when that happened? Uh, and whenever I was 13, I put myself back in state's custody. So this happened I when you were... To, I, re mm -hmm. I refused to go home. They, they, I made the state deal with me. Wow. And... Your family members obviously knew about it, like your grandma uh, that took you in, right? Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to do anything. She was sick. My grandmother was very sick with breast cancer. Okay. She couldn't really take care of me. And quite frankly, I was probably too old for her anyway. <laughs> I couldn't imagine why. I mean, growing up in a, you know, a pretty crazy situation like that. would. It tormented her that whenever I was asleep, I would grind my teeth and fight in my sleep because I had post-traumatic stress disorder so bad. She would tell me about it the next day and I wouldn't remember a thing. They were night terrors. Right. And I had no control over them whatsoever. So you put yourself back into care at the age of 13. What was mm -hmm. life like at that point? I was buck wild. <laughs> I was um, and I was a saddest offender I ran away a lot my philosophy was if nobody knew where I was he couldn't find me and um, I went through five foster homes I had a couple good ones one of them was before I went into before I was sent back home and then the other ones were like temporary kind of foster homes. Three of them were. No, two of them were. The first one didn't just flat out didn't work out. But the second one, the second foster home I was in, the one I was sent home from, that was a good one. And then my third was a good one. Okay. But I, it just didn't work out. I, I just couldn't. Um, I don't know. I guess I needed more than what a foster home could provide. Right. You know, um, they ended up sending me to Barbershill school, um, which was not a great experience being locked up, but <laughs> it calmed me down enough and they were able to catch my dad during that time, I believe as well. You know, so it, that calmed me down a little bit because I felt a little safer. Right. Now, that he was off the street and I knew I wasn't going to just run into him randomly. Right. Um, and then I was sent to golden girl group home. Um, and I spent four and a half years there. How was that? Oh, that, that's my, that's my childhood home. They were given permanent physical, um, custody of me, uh, probably whenever I was 16 or 17 years old. Okay. But that that's my childhood home. 
that was the only safety I knew in my childhood. Wow. That was my safe space. And even with that, home visits caused problems. My brother tried to kill me when I was 17. Wow. With a butcher knife on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> so, and he went to brand, uh, jail for brandishing for six months. Wow. He plea bargained. Wow. What did your um, What did your dad get charged with? I don't. I believe it was eleven counts of sexual abuse by a parent. Okay. Because I wasn't the only victim; my brother was too. Okay. But he also perpetrated on me. My brother did. Did he? So I was getting it from it both. Did he ever get charged at all for that? Mm -mm. No. No, because he was a minor. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, so, at this the time, the group home. Sorry. No, you're you're the, okay. Go ahead. The group home's the one that enrolled me in college. I didn't think I was ready. Apparently, I was. <laughs> <laughs> but you probably say that's that was a good thing to do at the time, right? Yeah, I followed through with it. Yeah. It took some work. Because I miss most of middle school was being moved around in sex custody so much and so much drama going on in my childhood. But I graduated high school with high honors. I started college actually technically in 12th grade. Oh, wow. I took my first college class. It was English 101 in high school. Okay. And then I went on to pursue my college education after I graduated. What uh? What college did you go to? Marshall University. Okay, where's that located at? Huntington, West Virginia. Huntington. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you studied social work. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've got a passion for helping people. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you went to school for social work. You obviously graduated. Um, mm -hmm. and I graduated with honors. Awesome. Uh, so at that point, um, you said you had a passion to help people. Mm -hmm. You started working with kids in, in foster care? No, or? um, actually I worked for CPS for a year Okay. and then I didn't work for a while, um, because I got sick, but I just returned to work probably last year. Okay. And I work with parents who have substance abuse concerns. And issues. Okay. Uh, what was your time working in CPS? What was that like? I imagine it would be really, really There sad. is no harder job. It takes a special kind of person to work CPS. I'm sure. I, I remember when I, uh, when I, I have my story on YouTube or on, on uh, Apple and Spotify and all that as well. But um, I talk a little bit about my experience, you know, being separated from my mom uh, and going into care. And mm -hmm. I couldn't even imagine being in that position to have to take kids away, you know, cause I remember how I felt. I was, I was so devastated and I felt lost and, um, I just didn't know what, what was going to come next in life. And I couldn't imagine being the bearer of bad news, I guess, essentially. Still there. Still there? Yeah, yeah you okay. froze up. Yeah, so did you. <laughs> <laughs>
I was sitting here like, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it froze right in the middle of your story. Oh, okay. Well, um, I was just saying how I couldn't imagine being in that position where I'm responsible for taking kids away and watching them break down emotionally because that that's probably probably one of the most devastating things you could do to somebody. Uh, well, with the job that I had, I didn't really remove too many. Okay. So and was- only I I was only there a year, and I I didn't get I didn't actually remove it more than I think three. Okay. I guess maybe kids just weren't being removed at the time very often. So what? How does how does that work? Is it your is it your choice to remove them? What what's the process like? Like if you have a case that you need to go investigate, what? Oh, it's been like ten years since I've worked there. The process is probably a lot different now than it was when yeah. I worked. Yeah, probably. But at the time, what was it, it like? Oh man. Um. Well, every time I met, did a removal, um. It was pretty emotional for the family, for everyone involved. That's really all I can really discuss on that. Right. What I was. I mean, I don't I don't understand what you're asking. What I was asking. What I'm asking is, what's the process like when you go to remove somebody out of the home? Like, is there like a group of people that get together and review the case? And they're like, yeah. um, Oh, it has to be staffed with supervisor okay so it's not just your supervision it's not not just snatch kid (laughs) right it has to go through the courts okay um there there is definitely a process what's that process like um well i don't know what the supervisors do i wasn't a supervisor at all um but i always just staffed it with my supervisor and they did all the hard work so they did all the approvals and all that you just you did all the groundwork I did the groundwork, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So I don't know what they did. <laughs> they knew the process a lot better than I did. <laughs> um, okay, so now you work with adults, right? I work with parents with substance abuse concerns and issues, yes. Okay, and what's that like? <laughs> um, I love it. It's wonderful to be able to help families stay together if they can safely. And bring families back together. What What's the common result of that? Most families tend to... They have a high success rate. Yeah? That's mm-hmm. good. That's really good. And it's a program that... Uh, actually, I, I work in Kentucky. I don't work in West Virginia. West Virginia doesn't have the program I work for. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not a West Virginia program. Okay. I think they should have one. <laughs> <laughs> really, I do. But... Um, it's, it's got a high success rate. So what, what is the program? Um, it's, a it's the case step program. <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> what that is. <laughs> it, it, it's, um, it's hard to describe. Um, so if I were to come in with substance abuse issues let's say i'm on drugs what would what would you guys do uh an assessment 
an assessment. So would somebody have to come in willingly or do you guys? Yes. Okay. Nobody forces anything on anybody. Okay. It's a, it's a completely voluntary program. Okay. And it's meant to help people. What, what kind of things does it, does it do? Is it, it's not like, um, it's not like going to rehab, right? Uh, no, no. Um, it's, um, we, we develop action plans and basically, um, get them in treatment. I'm just a service coordinator. So I coordinate all their services for treatment, develop action plans with them to try to keep them sober. Okay. Um, I can't tell you anybody else's job, but that's what I do. Okay. And I coordinate everything that basically they do. I document everything. Um, a lot of it is documentation. I visit with them as many times as is required. And, but we work on action plans um, on trying to get them sober. Okay. And do they kind of help assist with what they want, like as far as goals and whatnot? Oh, they don't assist. They create it. They create it? That's <laughs> their goals, not mine. Okay. Um. They have to tell me that information. What's going to help them? Right. Because they know what's best for them. Right. What kind of a uh, demographic of people? You just help people like family, like people who have families. Is it just single people? To, Can it be anybody? It can't be anybody. It has to. They There's a list of criteria. Okay. And um, they, I believe they have to be involved with CPS. Okay. So, so it has to be a situation where something was reported. It has to be safety related. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. With children under the age of nine, I know that. Um, where I haven't been there very long, I'm still learning the, everything that goes on with the job. Mm -hmm. It takes a while I'm to sure. really learn everything. There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, especially when you're, you know, dealing with people's care. You know, and I, I mainly have, you know, my main job is working with my clients and stuff. So... You know, the bigger scale of things, believe me, there's a lot more to it than just <laughs> our little program. I mean, it's it's a big, 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 lot of different programs. Okay. That's government ran, isn't it? No. No, it's not? Nonprofit? No. I th it is nonprofit, I believe. Okay. I don't want to tell you wrong on that. There's, I don't know all the aspects of the big stuff. <laughs> okay. I'm just a little person. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're a little, person, a little that, person that makes the wheel turn a little bit. So that's. I'm just a little person. <laughs> I'm still learning all the ropes. That's good. Um, so, looking back on your your time in foster care, and now you're you're able to help other people, not necessarily kids who are like you, because you're not working with children now, but. Uh, what's your future goals? Um, I was looking into getting my master's degree. I'm in foster parent training. Um, um, I like this job. I'll probably stick with it. What's a uh, foster parent training? You're training to be a foster parent? Mm -hmm. Awesome. 
Yep. Are you um, uh, married? I've got two classes left, I think. Okay. Wow. Two classes and you'll have your master's? No, two classes and I'll be a foster. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. The, go through the foster parent. Um, the program. Uh, well, no, um, that where they check your house. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Um, do you have any kids or anything of your home checks? That's what they're called. Sorry, I have, <laughs> I have, my brain left me. <laughs> do you have any kids or are you married or anything? No, no kids, not married. No, nope. I'm divorced. Okay. So you plan on uh, taking foster kids into the into the home, right? Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's good. Um. What's the foster situation, foster, like, numbers, do you know, like, how many foster kids relatively there are in West Virginia? Oh, in West Virginia? Yeah. Uh, well, last time I read a newspaper article on it, there were three times as many kids, or maybe four times as many kids in foster care as they have foster parents. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And there's a really bad drug epidemic in the state of West Virginia. Is it? Um, yeah, I, I've heard a lot about that, like along the like the Appalachian Trail. Um, just uh, was it heroin and, and meth is a big one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Yeah, I think, I think uh, what I've heard is uh, we have that one of the highest uh, overdose rates of heroin. Heroin overdose rates. Wow. And I imagine a lot of young kids are probably getting, getting on that too. And it's not so good for them. Yeah, it's very sad. That's actually how my brother died last year. He died last year too. He overdosed. Wow. Well, on a um, multitude of things. What was your relationship with him like after you know, all of this was he tormented me until I was 37 till the day he died. Wow. He hated me. He called me little Orville. Little what? Little Orville. My dad's name was Orville. Oh, okay. So he, he blamed me because I was my dad's daughter. He was his stepson. Oh, He hated me, he resented me, and he did everything in his power to hurt me. And no matter what I did, I couldn't stay away from him because my mom just kept bringing him around. So he had a, your mom accepted him even though he had mm -hmm. done all those horrible things as well? Oh, yeah. And she kept bringing him around and bringing him around and he attacked me even and she took up for him. Every time. Wow. Yeah. Well, she did that with her men too. I was all I was always better off in foster care. You're the first person I've talked to that's been like, Yeah, I I love foster care. <laughs> it's my time in foster care. <laughs> it was care a dream was come true compared to compared to the life I lived at home. I'm sure. Quite frankly, it was. And I'm not saying it doesn't have its problems, but 
it it comes down to the fact that I would not have survived living at home. The fact of the matter is, foster care gave me a chance to survive. I'm alive today because foster care was there. And that's what made you want to go into working with in that in that field, right? Yes. Do you wanted to be able to make an impact on other people's lives? I want to get. I want to give back what was given to me. A chance. So, for other people that are listening, uh, maybe even particularly other girls that you know watch this, that maybe find themselves in the same position that you know you were in, or in any situation, really any abusive situation. What would your advice to them be? Get away from it. Would be would there if, be somebody they can contact? What? It depends on the type of abuse. There's contacts for any kind of abuse. But for but, like, for like a teenager, somebody who doesn't really understand, you know, maybe I should contact this person instead of this person. What should they do? Honestly, I would go to the police. <laughs> <laughs> uh, CPS. It, I mean, if it's that dire of an emergency, call 911. You know what I mean? If it's like sexual abuse or physical abuse or something like that, get the police involved. And then they can call CPS. I think the problem with that is kind of like what you had talked about earlier. Um, if you get the police involved, then you, you kind of go back to, you know, you go back home and your parents now know about it. And then now you got to wait around for CPS to get involved and Mm -mm. no, that's not how that works. If there is a safety issue, the police aren't just going to send you back home. Where are they going to take you? It depends on the situation. They have emergency like foster care homes or they do. They have respite homes. They also have, um, I mean, it just depends on the, the situation. It really does. You know, kinship care is the first choice always. They try to keep a family together. Mm-hmm. You know, at least in some way, shape, or form. Put them with a relative is always the first first choice. Right. And sometimes that works. Most of the time it does, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> you know, um, but if all else fails, then it's foster care. But that's usually a last resort. Okay. So your advice to them would be call the police or, you know. Or call CPS. Call CPS. If they need help because a worker will show up. But they, if it's a, like a situation kind of like mine, I recommend they go to the police. Okay. Because a social worker is not equipped to deal with somebody as dangerous as my dad. You know, and that's going to put them in danger, too. Right. You know, what are they going to do with no gun? Right. Whenever, you know, my dad had a gun. He had a whole lot of them. And he wouldn't hesitate. Yeah, he obviously charged you in front of the social worker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, wasn't, he did. He wasn't ashamed. No. I mean, he wasn't ashamed at all. 
uh, the neighbors were petrified of him because he would pull guns on them when they pulled around uh, when they turned around in our driveway. We were taken to court numerous times over that. Was he? You know, because he shoot at them. Was he an addict or on it? Was he on drugs or out an alcoholic or anything? Nope, not no. at all. What was what was his childhood like that would make him want or may not necessarily want, but what would make him be like? Never that? had anything wrong with him. As far as his childhood upbringing, his parents were like the most saintly people ever. But he was the thirteenth child. So he so didn't, maybe didn't get maybe enough love. Would, I don't know. I never got to meet his parents, but the way he described them, they were saintly people. Kind of. He told me about them in a letter. Mm. You know, and he described his childhood as ideal. There was never any explanation other than a teacher telling him that he would never be amount to anything. That ever occurred to him bad at, at all. He just had a bad temper and he was an ingrained pedophile. Mm. So all in all, he was a violent ingrained pedophile. What did he do for a living? Uh, he was ex-Navy. Really? Oh. Yep. Honorably released. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's sad. And he was a mechanic after that. Okay. And then whenever my mom was married to him, she worked. He didn't. When all this took place, he didn't have a job. Mm. He stayed at home. He built stuff. He worked on the cars. He painted moons on a uh, tractor trailer in our yard. But he never worked. Wow. And my mom was 17 years younger than him. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's heavy. <laughs> that's I told you it was an extreme story. Yeah, it's pretty extreme, but it's it's amazing that you were able to overcome all of that and definitely rise above and you you were able to go to college and you're working on your master's you're working on becoming a, a foster well i haven't well. worked on it yet well you you want to work on it you have ambitions <laughs> to start it yeah and i mean that's that's incredible because a lot of people and i i think i've mentioned it before in the, this podcast is um they they become they have victims mentality and, you know, because they went through something that that kind of dictates their, their life and who they become. You want so. something, you got to work for it. Yeah. You can't yeah. let anything stand in your way. That's the fact of the matter. You want something bad enough, you're going to get it. Because you're going to work toward it. And there's no feeling sorry for yourself. There's no nothing that's going to hold you back. You want it, you've got to chase it. I agree. <laughs> That's what I did. I chased it. And it wasn't easy. And I'm still chasing my dreams. <laughs> That's good. You have every reason to. So, I guess, uh, I guess the, I guess what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. 
It's a true phrase. It is. So, I think everybody should chase their dreams. And not let feeling sorry for yourself or excuses hold you back. I agree. Well, with that being said, I think we'll end it there. Um, I appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit about your story. And again, it's remarkable. And I'm, I'm in shock with how you managed to, you know, flip your life around and make it what you wanted, not what somebody else had, you know, intended for you, for you. So what's that? I'm stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) Very stubborn. It can be, it can be a good quality. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was nice talking with you and uh, I hope, you know, maybe we can catch up again some, some other time. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for coming on the rising above podcast. Thank you. Bye. Bye.